Hi, everybody. It's Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills to simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Can your breath help you perform better and reduce stress? More specifically, can breathing through your nose make a big difference? Well, about 10 years ago, I started hearing about people taping their mouths shut to improve exercise, performance, and sleep. And honestly, I was a bit skeptical, but let me tell you, I was dead wrong. Today, I'm excited to have the author of The Oxygen Advantage, Patrick McCune, on the show. He's here to reveal techniques pro athletes, Fortune 500 CEOs, and elite military units use to regulate their physiology and excel under pressure. Patrick is an internationally recognized authority on therapeutic breathwork with several best-selling books. He'll share how to harness the benefits of nasal breathing, why mouth taping is a legit way to improve sleep, how to instantly decongest your nose, lower heart rate, improve sleep, and so much more. And if you love what he has to share, he's got a free app you can download called the Oxygen Advantage. So let's dig right in. Let's lean in and learn from the best. Patrick, right now you see on the internet all these people taping their mouths shut when they exercise or when they sleep. And for some folks, this can be a little bit startling. Like, I'm really going to go to bed with tape over my mouth? Am I going to die? What's the point of this? So why are people doing this and what are the benefits of switching to nasal breathing? Well, mouth breathing is absolutely detrimental on many levels, Um, especially for sleep. It's been well shown over the years that if you sleep with an open mouth and you're waking up in a dry mouth in the morning, you spend less time in deep sleep, slow wave sleep, Mm -hmm. and you spend more time in light sleep. It also increases the risk of snoring and it increases the risk of obstructive sleep apnea. So yeah, we've been taping for about 23 years. And although it's, it's popular now, it wasn't always that way. Yeah. So how does this lead to reduction in sleep apnea? In terms of, there's a number of different, obstructive sleep apnea is more complex. It's not just about the anatomy. But if you have your mouth closed and you have your tongue resting in the roof of the mouth, it does help to open up the airway. And also by breathing through your nose, it reduces the resistance to your breathing during sleep by between two and three times that of the mouth. So by breathing through an open mouth, there's two times to three times more resistance to your breathing. Also with nose breathing, there's better recruitment of the diaphragm breathing muscle than with mouth breathing. And that in turn increases lung volume. And when there's an increase in lung volume, the throat is stiffer and less likely to collapse. Now, obstructive sleep apnea, in the last 10 years, it showed that it's more complex. It's not just an anatomic problem that the airway is too narrow, but there's four phenotypes of characteristics. And one of those is related very much to your breathing. It's called loop gain. So individuals with high loop gain, it means that they've got a faster and harder breathing pattern, that they're quite sensitive to the accumulation of carbon dioxide in the blood. And when they do stop breathing during sleep, and there's an increase in CO2 in the blood, because they're so sensitive to the increase of the gas, when they resume breathing, they resume breathing with such exaggerated ventilation, which feeds back into their sleep apnea. And, you know, we need research. I wrote an article that was published with two ear, nose, and throat doctors, and we looked at breathing from multi-dimensions, from a biochemical, biomechanical, and psychophysiological, and relating that to the phenotypes of obstructive sleep apnea. The connection is there. The connection is there. But the science, we need the research. Yeah, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. It's a great journal article. I'm just curious, how did you get interested in this? If you fall into breathing, it's because you've had your own issues. Mm -hmm. It's like every psychologist, 
Well, at least the ones that I meet, they seem to fall into psychology because they have their own issues with their mind in the first instance. And that's, that's often what drives us. So I had asthma. And if you have asthma, you have a stuffy nose more likely. And if you have a stuffy nose, you're two to three times more likely to have sleep problems. So you don't just have a stuffy nose. You don't just have asthma. You're tired. And because of chronic mouth breathing, I had dental health issues. I was breathing upper chest. I was breathing faster. And that puts you into a greater fight or flight response. My concentration wasn't good. And that's normal when your sleep isn't good. So then I came across a newspaper article back in 1998. And it was about this Ukrainian doctor, Konstantin Buteko. He said, breathe in and out through your nose. And I was doing neither because my nose was stuffy most of the time. And he also said, breathe light. And I wasn't doing that either because you could hear my breathing. I was feeling that I wasn't getting enough air. So I started practicing this technique. I actually taped up very, very early on. And because my nose was stuffy, I was able to do his nose unblocking exercise. And it actually worked. Can you explain that really quick? It something. It'll blow people's minds. To unblock your nose. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you simply, now don't do it if you're pregnant or if you have anxiety or panic disorder. You have to go very easy because the air hunger might just tip you into a, a little bit of a fear response. So to decongest your nose, take a normal breath in through your nose, not a loud one, just a normal breath in through your nose and a normal breath out through your nose and pinch your nose with your fingers and just gently nod your head up and down as you're holding your breath. And keep gently nodding your head up and down as you're holding your breath. And keep going until you have a moderate to strong air hunger or desire to breathe. Then let go. Breathe in through your nose. Get your breathing under control. Continue breathing through your nose for about a minute or so. And repeat it again. And repeat it about five or six times. And your nose will open up. I think that we can all agree that donating blood is a generous and commendable act. Well, today I'm not asking you to donate blood, but what I'm asking you to do is to take 20 seconds to leave a rating or review for the show, as these are like blood donations for the podcast. They keep the show alive and they help us reach more people. If you enjoyed the value that The Blueprint has brought you, please take just a second and leave a comment and review on whichever listening platform you are joining us from. It really makes a difference. In the vast majority of cases, of course, it's not going to affect somebody with a mechanical obstruction or a deviated septum, but it's when the blood vessels in the nose have dilated, that exercise helps to shrink the blood vessels. Mm. And it just makes breathing through the nose much easier. And we use it with long COVID. You can use it with a head cold. So yeah, you can practice it. That's what really got me. So I, I got your book a number of years ago, and I'm skeptical about everything, not about the nasal breathing, but some of the things. And so I started going through it and I started doing it. I was like, dang, this works. And then I started thinking about, well, nitric oxide, all the different things. I'm like, man, this makes a lot of sense. And then I went down the rabbit hole. And a lot of my colleagues at the time were were training our athletes to tape their mouth shut during training, especially like during GPP phases or like doing very low intensity aerobic capacity where you don't feel like you're about to throw up or anything. And then I started doing it during all of my like lower intensity exercise And not only did it unclog my nasal passageway, but I just felt more calm and under control. And then I started doing the research. I'm like, man, this makes so much sense. I wish somebody would have taught me this. I interrupted your story though. So back to you, you'd read about the methodology and then you put it into practice. Yeah, I put it into practice. I was, my background, I I did a degree in economics and social studies. I wasn't trained in any way in respiration. I was in the corporate world. I was highly stressed individual. It wasn't necessarily the company. 
poor sleep. And when you're always in that, from a breathing dysfunctional point of view, fight or flight response, your ability to handle stress isn't good. Even though I was young, I was in my mid-20s. But yeah, I was driving one part from Ireland, from one part to the other, and an idea came in that I would love to be involved with breathing. It had helped me. I was two years in at this point. So then I went to Russia and I trained. Dr. Buteko was there and got my certificate from there. And uh, I started teaching it then mainly with people with asthma. And that was my, from 2002, I was working with lots of people with asthma, then sleep issues, snoring, sleep apnea, then anxiety and panic disorder. And I remember, Eric, I was giving these courses in Ireland for anxiety and panic disorder from 2010 to 2013. 3,000 people attended these small little groups that I was giving mm. throughout the country. Very few men were attending. And I called it Buteco Mindfulness Method. And I was thinking to myself, why aren't men attending? Because it had dramatically helped my concentration, my ability to improve my sleep quality, to self-regulate, my physical performance. And these are all the things that men like too. But why weren't they attending? That's why I started writing the Oxygen Advantage book. And it was from that more so to communicate to an audience that there's something in this for you. Breathing isn't just this woo-woo. Because I would genuinely say this, breathing has something powerful to offer. But it has been seen so left of field because the individuals who were typically teaching it, they were wearing robes and beads and open sandals and they were wearing things that didn't resonate and they didn't communicate with the language to the audience that they're speaking with. And breathing is not left of field. It's right down the middle. It's for everybody. If you want to regulate your states, if you want to improve physical and mental performance, it's very important to know how to change your breathing patterns. Can we talk about maybe breathing pattern for regulating your state of arousal? Totally. I'll give you an example. I work with snipers. These guys are highly trained individuals. They're sent into stressful situations. And typically you pull the trigger between your heartbeats. So you can imagine going into a hot environment, you're in a difficult situation and there's a certain amount of stress and your heart rate is elevated. Maybe it's 130, maybe it could be 140 beats per minute. That's going to affect your decision-making, your shot. So we show in order to bring down your heart rate, you're taking a soft breath in through your nose and you're really having a slow and relaxed and a gentle exhalation. So by having the slow and relaxed and gentle exhalation, you stimulate the vagus nerve, which secretes acetylcholine, which is causing your heart rate to slow down. And just towards the bottom of the, of the breath, you take the shot in between the heartbeats because just towards the bottom of the breath, the time difference beat to beat is longer. And that's where you're looking to take the shot. And if you don't take the shot there, you're waiting until the next breath. So you can imagine somebody going to do a free kick and they're feeling a lot of psychological pressure and they're feeling their heart rate is elevated. And even in just a few seconds, as they're sizing up the ball, taking attention out of the mind and onto the breath and into the body to anchor attention on the breath, taking that soft breath in through the nose and that really slow, relaxed, gentle breath out and doing it for just a few moments to self-regulate, putting the critical mind aside and then taking the kick with every cell of your body. You know, so that would be an example. Going into meetings the same. Anything that's a little bit stressful that we feel that we're beginning to hyperventilate, use the breath to calm down. I love it. It also brings your awareness to something you can control. Instead of focusing on these things that factors you can't control, it's also a mindfulness or awareness practice because you're like, okay, I have a, a mechanism. I can focus on that physical sensation. 
we know that this isn't a biohack. This is changing physiology. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. We got one more episode coming up with Patrick, but if you like what he had to say, check out his free app, The Oxygen Advantage. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.